Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Today, I have an outstanding guest for you today. His name is Grant Elliott. He's the founder and CEO at Ostendio Inc. He's an entrepreneurial leader with over 20 years experience in a variety of operations, customer service, product dev, and most importantly, in the executive capacity. His track record in this space is really attributed to what he's been able to do. He's been able to create significant growth, development, and change for those seeking to make positive change in cybersecurity. And at his work right now at Ostendio, they're actually working to change the way companies look at and manage their cybersecurity, risk management, and compliance programs. Today in healthcare, it's such a big focus for everybody to make sure that cybersecurity is in a positive state and that it's not interrupting our healthcare operations. So I think the topic we're going to dive into today with him is going to be very pivotal to anyone running a healthcare organization. So it's with a big privilege that I open up the microphone to Grant. Welcome to the podcast, Grant. Thank you. So it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, Grant, you obviously span various industries, but you do have a niche in the healthcare market. What got you interested in spending more time within the sector? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So uh, from my perspective, my background predominantly was in telecommunications, as I'm sure the, the, the listeners can tell from my accent, I'm not native to the US. And so I worked <laughs> for a British Telecom for a number of years in various different capacities, product management, marketing, operations, etc. And that kind of brought me over to the US and for a short period of time, I worked for AT&T. So I always had a kind of networking event to what I did. Around about the mid-2000s, I had the opportunity to work for a digital pioneering digital health tech company. And the connection really was that they were doing a lot with uh, SMS. They were building health information uh, systems in rural countries, you know, Eastern Africa, Indonesia, India, where the the general infrastructure wasn't mature. And so they were actually using uh, cell phones and SMS in particular as a a method to communicate, uh, to manage drug inventories. Uh, to be able to distribute field notes, et cetera. 
And so that was the kind of connection, you know, this sort of telecom background into a kind of digital health company uh, that was kind of using communications as a primary uh, means of channels, kind of really what got me into uh, the kind of digital health space. And then from that point on, you know, I've just been really fascinated with, you know, obviously the security aspect, the risk management aspect of being able to do that as both the chief operations officer and chief information security officer of that digital health company. And that really is what got me involved in, you know, conducting audits with, you know, some of the major uh, payers, providers, pharmaceutical organizations, and really kind of ultimately kind of recognize through that journey just how broken the security, compliance and risk management space really was. And within this particular segment. Super fascinating, Grant. And you've worn a lot of hats and you've, you've seen the various uh, uh, scenarios that could happen and, and you've helped organizations plan for that, have helped protect them against these, these types of, uh, of cyber attacks, but also uh, weaknesses in their own network. If you take a look at, at the entire arena of cybersecurity and healthcare, what do you think is, is a hot topic that needs to be on, on these leaders' minds listening right now? I think that people need to understand that the, the world we live in today, particularly in, in healthcare, is very different. And what I mean by that is if you think about where data is stored, you know, 15, 20 years ago, most organizations would store data on-prem, they'd use basic perimeter security. And so to some degree, you know, whether this is correct or not, they kind of had this greater premise around how they could protect that information, right, using sort of like uh, castle and moat type technologies. Well, today with cloud technology, information is all over the place, right? You know, we no longer have a single copy of data. You know, when you go to your provider or you're working with your pair, um, they're interacting with a complete list of, or increasing list of vendors who are providing various different services for them. So that data that you're providing them, the data they're protecting on your behalf, isn't necessarily just sitting in their premise. They themselves might be using some sort of cloud-based service to basically store the data. And then increasing number of their vendors are using cloud-based services to provide services to that, 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 that organization. So when you think about where your very sensitive personal data sits as you're interacting uh, with any healthcare organization, you know, it's no longer just sitting in one place. It's really, you know, sitting, and that's really, and healthcare specifically, uh, being exacerbated by this, the whole meaningful use, this push to make sure that um, uh, health information is digitized to make it more accessible. And the very nature of healthcare is that in order to provide services, we want ease of access to that data. You know, providers, doctors, physicians, they all want ease of access to, to manage the, uh, the treatment of care, to process payment, etc. And so we now live in this world today where this data literally can be anywhere. And so the question then becomes, you know, has the industry itself woken up to the dangers of that we're seeing uh, through the media, how I many breaches are occurring through a combination of ransomware or just shoddy practices. And so really, I think people need to kind of wake up to the fact that this is a much different environment today in terms of how these organizations are managing data. And really the onus on those organizations and on people using the onus of those organizations really should be asking much more stringent questions about how are these organizations adapting to this change and what additional steps and preventative measures are they putting in to try and protect this more complex environment. Yeah, that's it's really insightful, right? And as we think about data as it sits today, to Grant's point, it's no longer, it's with the customers, vendors, payers that we work with. Now, Everybody's using cloud-based technologies. So how do we get smart about protecting this information? And Grant's really highlighting some things that we need to be focused on. Grant, can you give us an example of how you and your organization have created results by doing things differently? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, again, part of the reason I get into this space is because when I looked at how organizations were building the security programs, when I looked at the types of services uh, that were available to uh, those types of organizations, they were very kind of stovepipe, right? Used to look at the market in two specific ways. There's, am I going to secure my market? And that very much gets pigeonholed into like an IT security where people want to put in things like firewalls, log management solutions. It becomes a very tech-centric approach to security, even although a lot of the data doesn't, although it resides typically in, in, in software or, or, or applications, how it actually escapes often is process-oriented through, you know, ex-employees still having access to information, people misposting information, etc. So there's, there's the aspect of, you know, how organizations were protecting it. But then there's this kind of counter component called uh, compliance. And so obviously everyone's familiar or most people are familiar with HIPAA. And there's this general assumption that because HIPAA exists, because it's written into federal law, that these organizations are now doing a really good job at protecting it because legally they're supposed to. When actually what many of them do is they set up compliance programs to meet specific compliance requirements. And the important thing to bear in mind about compliance is being compliant doesn't necessarily make you secure. These, a lot of these regulations are very broadly written. They're, they're interpreted in different ways. So a lot of organizations have you know, significant compliance programs, but really what they're focused on doing is trying to meet those regulations rather than secure your organization. Now, if you go back to the genesis of HIPAA and really most of these regulations, they're not there for the sake of being there. They're really there to drive the organization's security program. So some of the compliance programs have kind of lost sight of what their original purpose was, not to be a means to an end, but to make sure these organizations are are building effective security. So what we do is we basically try and bring that together. We try and focus these organizations on building an effective security program. We will map to the compliance requirements so you can basically meet these objectives. And then we take a very people-centric view to do that because, again, we don't take a solution-based technical perspective. You know, technology, security tools are just tools. We really try and map out security across each individual within the organization, give them a score, help them understand how they contribute to the overall security portion of the organization, and then give the organization the broad set of tools for them to be able to measure across the organization what they're doing, not only to more effectively secure their data, but also map that to whatever standards and regulations they have to adhere to as well. Very insightful, Grant. And just as we think about what we're doing within our business, the fact is, if you're compliant, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're secure. And I think this is, this is something that, that I'm walking away with here, Grant, because I know a lot of friends that are running businesses and they think, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm following the rules, I'm compliant, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're safe. It doesn't necessarily mean you're secure. And it sounds like what your company does is really helps them walk through not the compliance piece, but the safety piece. And we have to consider them individually of each other. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we use this expression, you know, everyone's felt familiar with a colander, right? So you can have a nice yes. steel colander. And we talk to lots of companies who talk about how robust and how firm and how hard the colander that, 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 that is their security program actually is. But at the end of the day, a colander still holds. holes. And yes. that's the kind of challenge, you know, you, let's not promote how robust their colander is you have to basically create something that's more permeable, something that's basically going to protect more holistically across the organization. And I think that's the mistake a lot of organizations do today. They're really more focused on how do I basically provide some technical security to manage how, you know, my front door, but then forget about the fact that, well, people can still come in through the windows. You've not even assessed whether you've got all your valuable data in the house, let alone in the car. So there's a much broader yeah. approach that needs to be taken. That's interesting. Yeah, and for the folks in, in med device listening, big reason why... 
the FDA is pursuing the unique device identifier. There's been many cases of cybersecurity threats that happen through medical devices. And so definitely on the radar of, of a lot of us in this space, and, and Grant, Grant Elliott here is talking to us about some of the things that we should be keeping in mind. Again, Grant Elliott is the founder and CEO of Ostendio, where they help folks with their cybersecurity risk management and compliance programs. Grant, I'm sure you've seen some ugly stuff out there. Can you tell us a story, something that you saw and, and, and what that customer or what you learned from this security breach? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the kind of key surprise for me over the, the number of years I've been doing this is basically how little motivation there are for certain organizations to basically build an effective security program. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago, I remember speaking to um, an organization, and they were a small organization, but when I was talking to the principal of that organization, and they were talking to us about how they could improve their security. And this particular organization actually ran a very simple EHR, electronic health record, uh, that was theoretically, he was calling it at that point, cloud-based, but went through the conversation of discovery and realized that he literally was running this thing on a server under his desk. Oh, wow. And it was just <laughs> transitioning that single server to... Now, that's scary, and, and but it's actually more common a scenario than you might think. Yeah. We speak to those we speak to, chief compliance officers, speak to CEOs of organizations every other day, and we will lay out to them legally what they're supposed to do to maintain a security program. And, you know, I spoke, I had dinner a few months back with the, the CIO of a major health system. I'm not going to mention the name, but they're basically about seven or $8 billion health system. And this CIO told me that... I, Security, information security wasn't on his top 10 list of projects, right? And so there is, you know, a huge gap in the motivation factor of organizations to do this because a lot of healthcare systems, you know, you've got to come back to first principles. What is the motivation to do this? Why do they need to do this? And, you know, part of the challenge is we've seen major breaches like the the, the Anthem breach. We see uh, provider breaches all the time. And the question is, does that actually change people's behavior? Will you stop going to your health system because they've been in the media for having a major breach. Do you even know who your insurance provider is? I know that, you know, when the anthem breach occurred, I didn't even realize that they were the parent for the provider that we actually had. So there's an open question right now to what motivates these organizations to build a more effective security program. And that's not to say they're not doing anything, but there's no doubt that, you know, if you compare the spend and a lot of healthcare systems or the healthcare industry compared to other industries like finance, retail, it lags significantly. There's not necessarily enough board support and pressure put on organizations. I look at even on the digital health space, I look at some of these IT services organizations that are you know, growing with you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars worth of investment being made in them. And we talk to them and they have no security program in place whatsoever. So it is scary. I mean, I think you know, from our perspective, we see a lot of the bad behavior out there. We see a lot of the scary stuff. And it's frustrating to us that we can't persuade them to take advantage of a technology that really makes that simple. But the flip side of that's also there as well. We, we work with many organizations that really embrace what we have to offer, are really committed to try and provide the best service they can and to secure data. They understand the business impact of having a breach and they understand how that can. And so there's certainly enough organizations out there doing the right things. But, you know, my perspective is, you know, because we see this on a regular basis, there's way too many out there that really aren't motivated sufficiently to build an effective security program. They're much more interested to say they do rather than actually you know, back that up by actions. Grant, this is really interesting. And, and it just kind of, you know, again, 
forces us to think about how the general economy works and how the healthcare economy works so differently. If you had to sum up a plan, if you had a three-step plan for the listeners that maybe don't know where to start, what is it that you would tell them quite simply, like, look, here's step one, two, and three. What do they have to do? So we have a simple analogy, right? You know, I equate building your security program to like running a marathon, right? It's an okay. ongoing, it's a long exercise. Now, the first step to running a marathon is not sign up for a marathon necessarily. The first step to running a marathon is just get out and run, right? It doesn't matter if you're running to the end of the street. It doesn't matter if you're going to go out and sign up for a 5K. You just need to start running, right? Because at the end of the day, if you run a 5K, that's the first three miles of the marathon already taken care of. So we focus organizations, and it really doesn't matter. Probably one of the biggest excuses that we get for why people aren't going to sign up is because they're too small, it's too early. But the reality is what you do is all relative to the risk that you have as an organization. So if you're a smaller organization, your risk is relatively lower, and therefore what you have to do for the most part can be a little bit less. There are exemptions to that, but for the most part, that's true. And so just start doing something, right? You know, really focus on building some very basic policies and procedures. You can download most of these policies and procedures from the web, put in some basic training, train your people regularly about good security practices, and really try and identify some sort of framework, measurable standard like ISO 27001, SD 100 there's, there's lots of security standards that you can find in the web to basically map and then just, just gradually, day by day, week to week, month to month, start building a plan and, and just allocate a small amount of time to your budget, a small amount of time to, 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 to people within your organization to just focus on this. So it really doesn't have to be a huge task. It just has to be built in as kind of part of your business as usual process. And you'll be amazed over the course of a week, a month, a year, just how much progress you can make. So when that client comes in and suddenly says to you, hey, we're ready to buy your service, but we just need to go through a security audit, it doesn't need to be as scary as, as perhaps it otherwise might be if you've really just started thinking and building this in from day one. Love it. Some great takeaways, folks, from Grant on how to get your cybersecurity up and running at its best. And you guys, just take small steps is really the call to action. Grant, what would you say one of your proudest moments here in the cybersecurity space in healthcare has been to date? So as an organization, we started off with the premise of, you know, I mentioned earlier on that, you know, I was somewhat surprised at how complex, how difficult this was perceived to be by organizations and certainly by many of the stakeholders within the organization that were serving this community. So we set out with a simple premise that we wanted to make the ability to make your organization secure, compliant, and, and manage risk accessible and available to any organization, regardless of uh, size and, and resource. So, you know, if you're a small 10-person startup or if you're a large 10,000-person organization, we wanted to make sure that we made that process significantly more accessible to everyone, more cost-effective. So for us, when we come across a company that has been using our service for a period of time and did a sale through an audit or we get the CEO of an organization right now his entire team saying, hey, listen, I'm 100% compliant, why is everyone else? And we have partners coming back to us basically saying to us their ability to support their clients has been significantly streamlined through our platform. I think those are the kind of things that really help us kind of re can confirm that we're on the right path and that we are actually, you know, obviously working towards and, and achieving that original mission. So I'd say that's probably the most you know, self-satisfying thing that we have because that means and proves that we're on the right track. Absolutely. And how about an exciting project or focus that you're working on today? 
Yeah, there's, there's lots of great stuff going on. As I said, you know, when we started building our platform, we decided to do it a slightly different way than most other kind of tools in the space. One of the things that we do is, unlike maybe a GRC tool or some sort of risk management tool, we actually enroll everyone within the organization into our platform. So everyone has uh, interaction with the platform. Everyone can see how their contribution contributes to the overall security posture. And so we're transacting you know, tens of thousands of transactions across our platform from people taking training courses to uh, completing audits, data access reviews, vendor reviews, uh, signing and acknowledging policies. So that's happening every day within the organization. And because we can map that to uh, various different standards and regulations, we can now track against maybe you're an organization that needs to go through high trust, you're an organization that needs to go through SOC 2 or ISO 27001. We can actually map the behavior of each, each of those organizations against that particular framework. So we've actually started a project now where we're actually looking to say, well, okay, if I can map that on a daily basis, if I can literally take almost like the security or compliance DNA of a company on a day to day, could I write that into some form of digital contract? Could I basically use blockchain and a digital ledger to basically track and manage that organization? Could I work with certifying authorities to come in if we've configured the platform in the right way against whatever framework that they will basically certify that, yeah, as long as we're tracking that right level of behavior, then that's going to get written to the digital ledger. That would ultimately allow organizations to now go to their customers and say, hey, listen, not only are we operating a secure environment against whatever framework or standard, but we will actually contract with you and give you access to our digital certificate where we will build in penalties for failure to meet that kind of security threshold. And that would significantly streamline the whole audit process. Again, it makes a competitive advantage to the, to the company themselves because they can differentiate themselves to their customers. From the customers, it significantly simplifies the vendor management process because they, they no longer have to do a paper trail or uh, they don't necessarily have to conduct audits because, again, it's been independently certified. So, so we're really working to try and really simplify the entire security supply chain side of things from a contract perspective and again it all builds off the core functionality that we have within our existing platform today that's awesome grant sounds like you guys are really streamlining the approach and just tackling it killing two birds with one stone so to speak i think it's really exciting yeah no i mean from our perspective like we're really pleased with the progress you know whenever you're coming in and you're doing something innovative you're doing something slightly different in a market you obviously have to spend time persuading people that you have a slightly better way because you know people have been doing a lot of this stuff for a long time right and people tend to be slow to adopt change but again you know we're also running a business right so we you know we're not just an idea shop so we we have to do this and we have to validate it we have to bring on customers we have to bring in revenue we have to pay salaries so as we continue to grow and as we continue to be more successful, we now have these opportunities to kind of take that original vision and enhance it, as I've discussed. And yeah, it's definitely you know a really exciting journey. It'd be great. I'd love to see where we're going to be in five years. I'd love to see in five years' time that you know we're we're doing all our supply agreements uh, through through blockchain or through digital contracts. That'd be an amazing place to be. That's awesome. So getting close to the end here, Grant. Let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course in cybersecurity. It's the 101 with Grant Elliott on cybersecurity. So we're gonna write out a syllabus and get your answers to four brief questions. You ready for it? Absolutely. All right, Grant, here we go. So what's the best way to improve healthcare cybersecurity? I think the key thing is to focus on whatever premise you're trying to solve. I mean, as I said, we sat set out with this premise of really trying to make cybersecurity, compliance, risk management, affordable and accessible and achievable for any organization. And we come back to that mission statement on a regular basis because everything we're doing has to basically support that. 
And so we continue to validate that with our customers, with our partners, and internally. And so just being really focused on what you're trying to do, that long-term vision, I think is the best way to move forward. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Assuming that the service you provide in itself is actually going to make a difference. You know, and this is really true, particularly within healthcare, because if there's not an economic value to what you do, if you can't demonstrate an economic value, if no one's going to pay for what you're going to do, then it really doesn't matter how great an idea. I mean, healthcare in particular is really symptomatic of this because the whole concept of saving lives and improving health really in this, this marketplace is secondary to the concept of making money. And that goes, I think, with any business. You really have to validate. It's not just, do I have a good idea? Is can I persuade people to pay me enough money to basically facilitate and promote that idea? And that's fundamental to kind of, uh, what we need to keep focused on. And I think too many people, too many organizations sometimes forget that concept. They get caught up with the idea itself, but there's not enough people in the market. There's not enough people within their target area to basically pay sufficient money to make that a reality. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? For us, it's really listening to our customers. And our sales team have an expression that you listen to, you take everything your customers and your sales team say, uh, you throw 95% away because 95% of it's useless. But that remaining 5% is essential. The kernel of, of, of knowledge you're going to get from uh, that 5% is fundamental to being able to keep your business on track. Because if you ignore that 5%, then you're absolutely going to go off the rails and go in a different direction. And, you know, as an organization remaining focused to continually listen to your customers, even although a lot of it's you know, going to be throwaway, it's essential because that kernel within that 5% of knowledge is absolutely key. Awesome. What's the key area of focus that should drive your organization? So we completely focus on platform growth. As a SaaS company, platform growth is everything. We will not be able to grow, evolve, uh, reinvest or do anything if we don't maintain platform growth. So there's lots of things that we would like to do. There's lots of things that we think would be great. Our customers will regularly come in and ask us if we can do A, B, or C. We really drive that back to this concept. Do we believe that's going to drive platform growth? And if we do, then we will basically consider it. If it's not going to drive platform growth, then, then we can't. And that's fundamental because I think if we don't really keep focused on that area of growth, uh, then it's very easy to be derailed. And, and before you know it, you're, you're trying to be everything to everything. Grant, what's your favorite book? Yeah, so I like to read. I like to read a lot of different types of books. I really like uh, reading autobiographies because I think understanding how people live their lives and the lessons they get. And, and really, probably one of the books that's had the most profound impact to me was uh, Nelson Mandela's autobiography, Long Walk to Freedom. To me, the kind of lessons from that book really is just the road to progress is long and winding, right? But if you maintain belief in what you're trying to do, if you can really just keep going through all the obstacles and barriers that are going to be thrown in your way in the path to do that. Ultimately, you can get there. It's really just a question of being really, truly, truly believing in what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, um, I think Nelson Mandela lived that life. And, and, and it's really inspiring when you see someone from his background, his education, his, his formative experiences, and, and how someone, you know, in, in the middle of his life can suddenly just become, right, this amazing uh, civil rights leader, you know, a humanitarian. So. Yeah, super interesting, Grant, recommendation. And folks, if you're curious about that book, about the syllabus that we just put together on cybersecurity for you and all the show notes, just go to outcomesrocket.health slash Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T-T. You're going to find all that there along with the full transcript of what we just discussed today. Grant, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you for more information. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess from a, from a closing perspective, you know, the journey we've been on over the last, I mean, we, we set up the company about five years ago, 
And, you know, it really has been an incredible and amazing journey. And we definitely appreciate you know, the customers we have, uh, the prospects we've talked to. And for me, the biggest part of this is basically the team that we've been able to build here at Estendio. There's, there's some amazingly talented people we have on board that have kind of made all this possible. And if people want to learn more about our journey, learn more about us, they can you know, feel free to go to, you know, Estendio.com, our website. There's lots of great information, resources about cybersecurity, compliance, various different frameworks. And if they want to tweet me, they can do so at Astendio underscore CEO. And um, you can see my, my, my marketing team, when they gave me my Twitter handle, uh, we're, we're basically planning for the future rather than giving it to my name. But yeah, so at Astendio underscore CEO. <laughs> funny. Um, uh, yeah, feel free to tweet. That's awesome, Grant. Hey, listen, this has been fun. I know that uh, you dropped some major nuggets of wisdom here on all of us. And uh, we'll be walking away with some good calls to action, but ultimately start small, start now, and looking forward to staying in touch with you, Grant. Great stuff. It's been a pleasure, so thanks very much for inviting me. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.